0: I'm Patrick Risley, pastor of the First Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale. For the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at what it means to chart a course for a new journey and an adventure. Walt Disney said that there are three parts of a trip. The excitement in planning the trip, taking the trip itself, and finally, the trip's afterglow as we reflect upon the trip and its experiences. So for the next three weeks, we're going to look at what it means to prepare for our adventure together and take stock of what we have and what can be used in our new adventure, and what mentalities do we need to throw away as we chart a new course. Today's text comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 17-31. to 31. Next week, we will look at where we are in our planning to move forward and why we are keeping and adding to the resources we have as we move forward in charting a new course. The final message two weeks from now We'll focus on launching that voyage and adventure and setting sails to the ends of the map where the dragons are. The Holy Spirit, open your hearts to what you are being led to hear this day. God bless. Well, good morning, Saints. This morning, we are going to be uh, looking at a couple of brief passages um, the first one you're not going to have up on your screen, so you need to listen. And let me just give you a preface that the first text we're going to be reading is from the book of Samuel. And it's a, it's a wonderful little story. It's, it's when young David, the shepherd boy, hears about this uh, Philistine named Goliath and david is upset that no one in the king saul's army is willing to go against this goliath and so david the shepherd boy comes and asks king saul to confront the giant and we pick up in 1 samuel chapter 17 at verse 38 I'm going to read a few sections here and go down to verse 48. But Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on David's head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped King Saul's sword over his armor and tried in vain to walk. He was not used to them. And then David said to Saul, I can't walk with these. I'm not used to them. So David removed them. And he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the wadi. Put them in a shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. In verse 48, when the Philistine drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine, and he put his hand in the bag and took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on the head. And he fell face down on the ground. Now our gospel lesson. From the Gospel of Mark, we're picking up where Nick left off last week, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, as we hear your words, may they speak to us in the deep places. We ask this in Christ's precious name, amen. Hear the word of the Lord. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up. A man ran up before and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to the man, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. You'll honor your father and mother. And the man said to Jesus, Teacher, I've kept all of these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And he said, you lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, give the money to the poor... And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when the man heard this, he was shocked. And he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven, or of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were greatly astounded and said to one another, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals, it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. And Peter began to say to him, "Well, oh, look, we've left everything and it followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers, children and fields with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. About a year ago, I was finishing up, um, going through a final set of interviews to become your pastor. I was meeting with the PNC And um, one of the questions as we were talking, I asked the PNC, I said now, um, which is Pastor Nominating Committee, I said, if you could paint a picture for me of the church right now, what would it be? And without much hesitation, um, a very understated member of the uh, committee, Pam Hickson, um, she described it like this and it stuck with me. She said, the church is like an armada of boats out in this large bay, but the armada of boats have lost direction. Some of the boats have drifted away. Some have landed. Some have crashed on the shore. While others are still Floundering in the bay in the waves, looking for the big ship that is the church to hoist sails and set a course. If the ship were to hoist sails and catch the wind, it would give the littler boats a sense of hope and purpose, and together we would sail out there and do wonderful things for Christ. I love that image she painted. I love that image. What I heard from her was that there is ministry here to be done, but we need to get this on the same course heading together and begin an adventure for Jesus Christ. Are you ready for an adventure? Well? yes. Oy. I love adventures, don't you? Do you like adventures? I love adventures. Adventures test your limits. Adventures test your capabilities. Adventures expose you to people, to ideas, to experiences you've never tried or met before. Adventures are exciting. But a good adventure needs to be planned. Back in my writing days, which was, oh... 10 months ago. <laughs> it was not uncommon for me to get on my motorcycle Pearl and go for a 3,000 mile trip during the summertime. I'd get on my hog and I'd go with a buddy of mine who drove a Beamer. He was built for a Beamer. I was built for a hog. I'll let you figure out what that meant. And every, every summer before we'd head out, we'd meet at a local restaurant burrs and we would put a map out and we would say where do you want to go and we'd start looking at all the places we just wanted to go to and we would plan where we wanted to go and then based on that planning we would take stock of what we had gather the supplies we needed throw out what we didn't because each place was different and required different gear And sure enough, it was in those early planning stages that both of us would uh, have to fight that temptation to immediately rush off to Bass Pro Shops. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Bass Pro Shops, that's an expensive ordeal. You go in for one thing and you end up coming out with a cart, you know? Kind of like a, 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 a Toys R Us for adults. And the problem is, you don't want to go to the Bass Pro Shops, you don't want to go to the Harley Davidson dealer to pick up more supplies unless you know where you're going. Because you end up spending a lot of money because, you know, HD, you know what HD stands for, for Harley-Davidson? $100. (laughs) So you gotta plan ahead so you don't go dropping that $100, needlessly. The first step in planning an adventure is to take stock of the resources you already have before you go, before you start spending money. It means taking an inventory of, of what you already have. It means seeing what needs to be kept, what needs to be repaired, what needs to be thrown out or replaced. I mean, my, my Harley Pearl, she was at like a persnickety date. You know, if you treat her right, she'll treat you fine. But you have to check the tires before you go. You have to check the brake fluid. You have to make sure you had the right tread. You yeah, had to make sure the electrical system worked. I had to clean out and organize my saddlebags from all the stuff that was in there. I had to make sure my tools were up to snuff and clean. I had to make sure I had the anti-fog spray. I, I, you would even find these old baggies full of trail mix that you made the year before. And as you're going through all this, you pick up the bag and you wonder, hmm. And you reach in and, hmm. And you spit it out. You realize that you, you've got to take stock of what you want to keep, what you need to let go. The first part of an adventure, it's assessing what you've got. Placing it all out in front and taking an inventory of what you've got, where you are. Our biblical text today are about taking stock of where we are, of what we have, and what we need to let go of in order to begin our adventure together. The young shepherd David, um, he wants to set out on an adventure defeating Goliath and saving his people. So old King Saul tried to dress David up with his old kingly armor. Saul, a man, David, a shepherd boy. And the problem is it did not fit. What worked for Saul in the past did not work for David in the present. And so David took it off. Saul's armor was not going to bode well for him in the future with this giant. In our gospel story, my friends, we encounter a well to do, spiritually grounded man. Seems to be an A okay guy. He comes to Jesus and he he says, I'm ready to start a new life adventure, Jesus. Tell me, how do I attain eternal life? And, and, And Jesus. Uh, you know, says, well, tell me why do you call me good and and you need to do this? And the young man replied, well, Jesus, listen, I do all of that. I've done that since I was a kid. I keep the law. I haven't murdered anybody. Have you? I haven't committed adultery. I haven't stolen anything. I haven't borne false witness against my neighbor. Uh, I've been honest in my business dealings, Jesus. I mean, I even love my mom and my dad. Jesus says, you know, that's great. But sadly, Jesus says that is not enough to attain the blessing. Jesus forced the rich young man to confront the one thing that was drawing his adventurous love for God away his wealth, his resources. Jesus was simply asking the rich man to confront that one thing he needed to let go of before his hands could be free to embrace the heavenly waste of the heavenly father. He had to sell what he owned and give his proceeds to the poor and the homeless. Like the ones who hung out at Jerusalem's library at Andrews and Broward. And the story appears to end sadly. Our text says the man was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. We can translate translate that literally to say, a cloud fell down over his face and he went away offended and sad. See, I love that. He went away offended and sad. People always get upset when preachers start talking about money. They get offended. You're in good company. There's a story about that in the scriptures. You see, sisters and brothers... Part of taking an adventure with Jesus means taking stock of where each of us are and then letting go of that one thing that holds us back from fully loving God. For the rich man, it was his wealth and possessions. What is it for you? For me. What is it for this church beloved as you and I reflect over our life we will see that we are very similar to the rich man in our story we didn't go kill anybody we had good business dealings we had good business ethics we loved mom and dad and yet Like the rich man, all of us cling and desperately grasp to that one thing that gets in the way and prevents us from fully grasping and embracing God. It was like Simeon with his hand in the cookie jar. Until he could let it go, he wasn't going to get a cookie. What or who is it, beloved, God is inviting you and me on an adventure, but God wants us to take stock of who we are, where we are, and what are we clinging to before we set out. What do we need to keep? What do we need to repair? What do we need to toss? This year's stewardship emphasis over the next three weeks is charting a course. You see, you and I... I can't help but go back to that image that Pam shared a year ago with the PNC. We are a group of ships and boats that are about to be launched out into an adventure of ministry for Jesus Christ. There is no telling where the Spirit will blow us. But this one thing we do know, if we set our compass and direction not on ourselves, not on what we want, but instead on what our spiritual north star, Jesus then we will go where God wants us to go and do ministry like we've never imagined. But first we have to take stock of where we are now. We have to identify what we obsessively cling to which prohibits our embracing God and new ministry in Christ. And this stock taking has to occur on two levels. First on a personal level. Each of us has to ask God's discernment for what it is we are grasping onto that inhibits our taking hold of the depth and riches of eternal life that's been given to us. What are you, what am I clinging so hard to that's that's disabling us from having an open hand to take God's hand? Each of us has to discern what we are grasping that is inhibiting this family called First Presbyterian Church from moving forward. We need to take stock and ask, God, what am I personally holding on to that is keeping others from experiencing the grace and vitality of Jesus Christ in and through this place? In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about what it means to live in a spiritual community um, and family. He describes how various members of a church will carry and then thrust upon others their personal ideas of how things should be done. How things ought to go. And Bonhoeffer calls these wish dreams. We each have our wish dreams. Every member of a faith community has her or her, his or her notion of how the church should be, what the church should do, how the ministry needs to be done, who, in runs the, who runs the place. These are wish dreams. It's when a person thrusts their agenda onto others. And the challenge in a spiritual community is, is that when, when everyone is thrusting with competing wish dreams onto the church, everyone else's wish dreams... Are canceled out and we get stuck it becomes more about me than about we or them what is the thing we need to put down in order to pick something new up in our wish dreams for this church. The second level for taking stop is on a corporate or social level. In other words, it has to do with all of us here who constitute First Presbyterian Church, from the Kirk Singers to the oldest one here. It means we have to realize, and here's a newsflash, this is not our property. This incredible gift that we have off of Las Olas and Tarpon and 15th Street, it's not ours. It's not the presbyteries. Whose property is it? God's. It's God's property on loan to you and to me to take care of. It means we can no longer be caught up in nostalgic thinking on how we do things or in whom we invest our ministry dollars. What worked 15 to 20 years ago will not work well in this swirly culture of the 21st century. Who we gave ministry dollars to in the past may not be the ones who need the ministry dollars today. Our community Has evolved both in the church and outside of it. And so our strategic ministry has to adapt or die. It means we take stock and evaluate how we use the space on campus. It means we realize that we are no longer that wealthy church downtown, that wish dream that we all wish we still were. Long gone are the days when members of this church would sit down and write, and there used to be members who did a $600,000 check to the budget of the church. Those days are gone. Those gifts were a great blessing at the time, but we still grasp through this wish, dream, and notion that those gifts that took place years ago are going to sustain us into the future. Brothers and sisters, it's not. We have to take stock of the fact that we are in new financial waters. Not bad financial waters, different financial waters. Your session has done well with managing the budget. The church has been, you know, the finances have been audited. We're in good shape. Hooah. But you know what? We are in different waters than we were years ago. We cannot assume someone else is going to cover the electric bill. Okay? Our environment has changed. It means all of us are needed to make this ship and her ministries float. Every single one of us. The armor former generations wore will not fit us anymore. Every one of us today has a personal stake in the success or failure. Of this church's ministry. Beloved we are charting a course. An exciting course. An adventure. But it will require every single one of us. As an individual. As a congregation. As a whole. To take stock of where we are. And what we are holding on to. That is keeping us back. What is it you are holding, am I holding on to, that we need to let go? Just as the rich man had to come to grips with all that he had were not his possessions, but God's, so too do we. And in the giving comes freedom. And the opening of the hands becomes liberation. (laughs) We're not encumbered anymore. We can get our hand out of the cookie jar. Beloved, let us remember the gospel renews is if we reflect on all, how all you and I have, if 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 we reflect on everything God has given us here, all the resources this church has, let us remember they are on loan from God and then let us live into that reality. Live into the reality that everything you have is on loan from God. And I promise you, we will be freed up to do things none of us can imagine. Even the gates of hell cannot be shut to what you, through the Holy Spirit of God in this church and the kingdom of God, will do. That's exciting. That's an adventure. Amen. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, thank you. You did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of love and courage. Holy one of God, as we come this day, we just give it all to you. We pray that you would take our wish dreams and dash them against the rocks. Lord, may they be your dreams. Lord, we pray that you would challenge all of us in this room to rethink our possessions like the man did. We're all good people, God. We don't go killing people. But Lord, our giving reflects that we still cling to the gods of this world of possessions. Lord, free us up. Let us give to the kingdom. For thy name's sake, amen.